Ever walked by a shelf in your local bookstore full of books wrapped in brown paper? They're Blind Dates with Books, where you buy a book without knowing the title, the cover, or the author, and it's a great way to discover new books you might never have picked up for yourself. We're giving away five Blind Dates with Books. Executive Editor Amanda Nelson will take a trip to her local Indian Richmond called Chop Suey and pick five at random off their shelves to mail to five random winners. To enter to win your own blind date with a book, go to bookriot.com slash blind date and sign up for our upcoming Read This Book newsletter, where we will send you a single solitary book recommendation once per week. That's bookriot.com slash blind date to enter, or go see if your local indie participates with their own blind date shelves. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a Book Riot podcast hosted by me, Eric Smith, and today, Jen Northington is filling in for Kelly Jensen. We are recording on September 26th, 2019, and wow, I think that's the first time I've actually read the that little introduction. Um... I think maybe really? I think maybe I was supposed to with like other episodes <laughs> where like we had a guest and I don't think I did. <laughs> well, you did it very well. I would never have known. Okay, good. <laughs> so, hello and welcome. Hello. Hello. It's nice to be here. So, for maybe our YA listeners that don't know like who you are, what is your deal? <laughs> What's my deal? Um, <laughs> so I am also a host on the Get Booked podcast, where we take reader questions about what they should read next, which often includes YA, as well as nonfiction, fiction, sci-fi, fantasy, mystery, thrillers, memoir, whatever. We we recommend all of it. Um, and I also do the SFF Yeah podcast with Sharifa Williams, which is all things science fiction and fantasy. Awesome. Oh my goodness. You are very, you are a very busy person. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but so are you, Eric. So <laughs> I know. I was going to say, like, speaking of busy, like, this week is like, is like the week of travel hell on my end. Um, mm. I got back from Seattle, uh, at 6 a.m., uh, where I was off talking about my own books in, uh, in where Seattle? Washington? I don't know. Where was I? Uh, and then I had to get right to work at 8 a.m. And tomorrow, I'm off to another conference for three days. I feel like this hour of a recording is, like, literally the only moment of time I have. Like, I'm ignoring my family for you. Hey, YA listeners, I hope you are happy. <laughs> um, yeah, and as for, like, current reads, um, I was actually rereading and notating my copy of Slay by Brittany Morris, which... Uh, comes out the week we're recording, so it's out right now. Um, it's this wonderfully geeky YA contemporary about a teen gamer slash game creator who has to wrestle with the aftermath of a tragedy caused during a, a fight over her game, um, as well as people harassing and threatening her. Um, and I just, oh, I just loved it so much. Um, but I'm doing an event with her in Philly uh, next week, so the week this podcast drops. Um, so I'm rereading it, so I actually have good questions to ask. Um, I don't know how many book events you've gone to, Jen, where like the person in conversation clearly hasn't read the book or oh, doesn't know it well. You know, <laughs> it's like so you were. Your book has pages, I right. notice, you know? <laughs> where, where do you get your ideas from? <laughs> yeah. So I want to make sure I have good questions for, uh, for Brittany while she's in town. Um, 
I'm also rereading uh, our good friend, Preeti Chibber's uh, Middle Grade, Don't Come For Me, Why People, Sometimes <laughs> You Need a Break, uh, book Far From Home, uh, Peter and Ned's Ultimate Travel Journal. Um, it's part of the reason I wanted to do some of the episode, which we'll talk about shortly, but um, I finally watched Spider-Man Far From Home, which was like a perfect young adult novel as a movie. Um, <laughs> so I'm really excited to like reread Preeti's book and like appreciate it even more. Um and yeah, I want the Night Monkey to be like a real, <laughs> a real <laughs> character. Um, what about you? What are you reading? What's in your in your stack? Uh, well, so before we get into that, I just want to ask you if you have seen Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Oh my goodness, yes, okay. I loved that. That is my all time favorite Spider Man movie of ever, forever. Yeah, you know it's funny. Like I, I talked to Preeti about this about how the Spider Man video game is maybe my favorite Spider-Man movie ever. Like, the new one that Insomniac did. Um, I've heard, I've heard. Oh, my God. I I cried a lot. But that, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't say much because I cry just about everything. I mean, like, the coffee I'm drinking right now is very good, and I'm feeling a certain way about it. But, like, <laughs> that that game was just, oh, it was magnificent. Oh, amazing. Um, well, I asked... I also just got home from a 36-hour trip to New York City. Um, oh I was doing publisher meetings with our sales department. And also, my friend Jackson Bird is an author and launched his amazing memoir, Sorted, which is all about uh, his process of coming out as a transgender man, um, which is totally appropriate for this show because it has absolute YA crossover potential, I think, because it's so much about his teen. I mean, he's in his late 20s, so it's so much about his childhood and teen years like oh it's so good so Ooh. good yeah it's really amazing and then in terms of what i'm currently reading all of my current ya reads were for this show so i'm gonna <laughs> talk about them later <laughs> like, that sounds I fair i didn't have time for any extra <laughs> mm. <laughs> so you'll just have to wait and hear about them then sounds good so shall we dive on in um uh so our first sponsor uh the show is sponsored by the gray sisters by joe Tregiari. Uh, the Grey Sisters is a YA thriller that really drives home the old adage, don't go into the woods. Dee, Spider, and Min set off on a road trip to the mountainside site of a terrible plane crash, seeking closure. What they don't expect to find is Ariel, a girl who's lived on the mountain her whole life in an isolated survivalist community. The encounter has devastating and shocking consequences for all. Featuring multiple points of view and dizzying plot twists, The Grey Sisters is perfect for fans of why thrillers like One of Us is Lying and Sadie. Thrillers are pretty hot right now. YA readers are hungry for more thrills and chills in the wake of books like Two Can Keep a Secret and Sadie. Uh, this thriller has the added twist of a secluded survivalist colony, some would say cult, which brings to mind this summer's cult classic Midsomar and the ongoing fascination with real-life cults that are popping up in the news. And it features a diverse cast uh, with queer characters. Ah... Uh... This, uh, man, if Kelly was doing this right now, I feel like she would be flipping out. Cause, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have survivalists. We have a uh, a colony. We have a cult here. We have um, a thriller. Yeah, this is, okay. I'm into this. I need to look this up after the, the episode. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I laugh a lot sometimes with our, our sponsors because, like, most of the time it's just it's books I want to read anyway. And afterwards, we just prattle about them a lot. Uh, just send us the books. But also keep sponsoring the podcast so we can uh, continue <laughs> doing this. <laughs> Very nice. So our first topic, I, we were going to talk about um, spec fic in YA. Because, Jen, you read a lot of spec fic, right? Mm -hmm. 
I do. I do. Science fiction and fantasy has sort of always been my favorite wheelhouse, even though I do read across genres. I read, I mean, I do read genuinely everything. Like mm-hmm. right now, I'm reading a history of the Aztecs. I'm reading a romance novel. I just read Jack's memoir. Like I've got a thriller on deck. Like I read everything. But sci-fi and fantasy was always my first love. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you're a writer too. And I, and I feel like if you're going to be a writer, you should be you should be reading everywhere, right? It informs your work, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a fiction writer so much, so but I definitely have learned so much about words <laughs> from, <laughs> from reading broadly. Absolutely, absolutely. You never know, you might have a novel in you, you know? Maybe, maybe. I, You know, it's funny, Eric, because I know so many writers, right? Like, obviously, I know so many writers, and I'm just kind of like, they have, you all have, I mean, you know, you have this, like, burning desire to tell the story, and mostly what I have is a burning desire desire to make other people tell me stories like that's, <laughs> that is what i have <laughs> that's good you know every time someone says like you have a book in you i think about there's this website the toast remember mm-hmm. remember the toast there's like a if you google it dear listeners there there's a uh article that's like uh you have a book in you i'm sorry and it's like <laughs> a doctor explaining to somebody that there's a book inside of them <laughs> yeah just, oh goodness it's just perfect but yeah so specfic I don't know, it's interesting to talk, think about speculative fiction, because, like, what makes something specfic as opposed to just saying, oh, this is a fantasy novel, oh, this is just science fiction, um, or are sci-fi and fantasy just under that, like, specfic umbrella? That is an interesting question, and I have to confess that I read this prompt wrong. <laughs> I thought... <laughs> Listen, y'all, I did prepare, I swear to God. But I thought when we said we're talking about speculative fiction and YA, I just assumed that meant like literally anything that falls under the umbrella of speculative fiction. Oh, no, as opposed I think so. to like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> some people, it's true though, some people do treat speculative fiction as a third category, which I personally, like to answer your question, don't agree with. Like yeah. to me, speculative just, speculative fiction means what if. This, like, taken-for-granted fundamental truth of our universe was different, right? So, like, sci-fi, what if we had this kind of technology? Fantasy, like, what if these things could happen when you did this? Um, But I feel like, so I feel, and, like, magical realism I would put under speculative fiction. Like, anything where we're wondering, like, oh, what would that be like? Like, that, yeah. to me, that's what speculative fiction is. Because you're 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 speculating. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. No, I I totally agree. <laughs> what are, what are some of your uh, favorites? Do we want to jump in and talk about a few? Yes, yes. So I tried to stick with the spookier speculative mm. fictions because, you know, we're going into fall. Halloween is one of my all-time favorite seasons. I just got a Hocus Pocus tank top so I could wear it <laughs> <laughs> while I do my annual rewatch of Hocus Pocus. So so my very first one is a book that I kind of wish was a series, but it's a standalone, which is nice sometimes, too. Like, it's nice uh, to have a book that you can just, like, read and not be like, oh, God, when is the next one coming? Except that I just, I love this world so much. I'm like, when is the next one coming? It is Beneath the Citadel by Destiny Soraya. And it takes place in a world where it's like a medieval-ish fantasy world where everybody is ruled by these ancient prophecies. And there's a high council who, you know, sort of are the administrators and and overseers of these prophecies. And there is like, there's one seer left making the prophecies. And the prophecies are supposed to be infallible. 
And there's also a lot of unrest in this world. There's a rebellion that's been going on for like 10 years and, you know, lots of political strife. And so you follow these four characters who are all friends, who are part of the rebellion in various ways and with various feelings about it. And yeah, and they have to go like undercover into the situation. And there's like a super creepy villain. Oh, my gosh, it's so creepy. And like a maze under a castle. And there's, you know, poisonings. And the ending is just a heartbreaker in certain ways. And oh, I have so many feelings about this book. And what I love about it is that these characters, like they obviously they have this big, there's this big magical plot and there's a rebellion and it's like very, you know, like YA fantasy sort of standard. But it also feels really original in that their problems are like, like also one of them is in love with the other one and like doesn't know how to say it. And one of them is just sort of questioning her entire ability to be a person in the world. And, you know, they're struggling with societal expectations and family duties and, you know, betrayal and feelings for each other. And it's just there's so much going on. It's so complex. And the characters are so nuanced and so layered. And I just got so sucked into it. I got so sucked into it. I loved it so much. It sounds awesome. You know, like I have Destiny's uh, I think her first book, Ironcast. Yeah. But I, I yeah, I haven't read Beneath the Philly. I'm going to have to up that up my stack. Um, so one of my uh, spec fic picks is uh, one I know I've talked about before. It's uh, The Rest of Us Just Live Here by Patrick mm. Ness. Um, this is one of my favorite YAs of all time. And I think it's Patrick Ness's best novel, which like I think might get people coming for me. Uh, I'm very <laughs> sorry, but I think it is. I love it. Um, and it's set in a world where like, Oh, you know, like superheroes like exist. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer esque people exist, um, and they exist going to you know school with you. And you know they're they're super powered people. They're people on missions. They're all those sorts of uh, high powered teens. You know, at your typical everyday public school. And what is it like when you are not one of them and you're just like <laughs> a normal person just trying to live your life? Uh, and the way the story is told, uh, like as you're you know, going along with the main character and learning about all his, like, sort of struggles um, with uh, mental health and uh, love interests and all of that. Uh, the the opening, there's these opening little paragraphs at the beginning of every chapter that, like, hint at, like, the epic battles and magic and things that are going on in the world around them uh, as they're just trying to live their lives. And it's just so brilliant and so funny and super heartwarming. Um, and I want more people to read it because it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Patrick Ness's best book. I'm sorry, Knife of Letting Go fans. Uh, this is the one. Uh, and that's The Rest of Us Just Live Here. <laughs> I also love that book. I do love that book a lot. Ah, it needs to be a movie. Why isn't it a movie yet? It would make such a good movie. It would make such a good movie. I bet you anything that's been optioned and the rights are just sitting there waiting. It has to have to been. Something. Yeah, it like, has I'm, to. I'm totally picturing like a Netflix movie that just feels like... You know, like a high school, like contemporary drama. And then like in the background, you see like superheroes fighting. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Oh, it'd be so good. Um, okay. So my next pick is speaking of series is the Bone Witch series by ah. Rin Chupeco. Have you read these? 
No, no, and I have them, and I also represent Rin's uh, agent in my author life, so she's going to listen to this and be mad at me. (laughs) Uh, Well, I will gush on your behalf. They're so good, and the series is done now. It's a complete trilogy, and I just finished reading the last one, which is called uh, Shadow Glass, and I love this series so much. Um, I do want to give a trigger warning for homophobia and transphobia for the second and third books in particular. Um, but it's like, whew, it's it takes place uh, also in an imagined fantasy world. And it follows a young woman who accidentally resurrects her dead older brother. Like he has been buried and <laughs> he went to war. He came back you know, dead as you do sometimes from war. And she like, she's a kid and she accidentally brings him back from the dead. And in her world, there are, you know, witches in in the world. There are witches in her family. But necromancy specifically, everybody is very afraid of for obvious reasons. And bone witches, which is what these women who can do this are called, um, are like very suspect and also, you know, subject to very rigid training and lots of rules. So she, so Taya goes off to like learn how to be a bone witch and is facing all kinds of really intense strictures and like, you know, training and distrust and all of that stuff. And in the meantime, this, this, these books take place in two timelines. You fast forward to like many years later where Taya is basically planning to take over the world with an army of like undead beast familiars. And you're like, how did we get here? (laughs) How did she go from a little girl who accidentally raises her brother from the dead to like a woman hellbent on tearing down the world? Like, how did this happen? And the books over the course of these three books, you find out how we got to this point. And they're so well plotted and so well paced. And I just am so obsessed with these characters. They, they, you get lots of side characters. There's a romance. There's really thoughtful, like, I think Rin Chupeko is really thoughtful about what it means to be a woman with power and how much society is afraid of that and Mm. like what kinds of struggles and obstacles you come up against when you have power that's visible to others. Ugh, I just, and they they like definitely get really, I mean, there's necromancy and like I said, undead beast familiars. So they're definitely Halloween-y in that sense. Nice. All right. So my next one uh, is uh, All Rights Are Reserved by Gregory Scott Katsoulis. Um I'm trying to think of books that I've never mentioned on the podcast before that I have mm. in my library. And this is this is one of them. And I'm surprised I've never talked about it because um, the premise is so great and I really loved it. Um, and if you're looking for like a spec-thick book, like maybe that feels like Handmaid's Tale-ish, um, mm. which is spec-thick, right? I think so. Sure, um, sure. This is like a terrifying glimpse at the future that digs into the fear of debt. Um, thanks to an overpowering government. Um, it's set in a world where speaking costs money. Um, and it kicks off with a, a main character who's about to turn 15. Um, and once you turn 15, that's it. Every word you use afterwards racks up a debt. So you have to be very careful uh, with how often you speak and all of that. And of course, there are people that are raging against all of this uh, in a really big way. Um, there's a, a sequel. It's a duology. Uh, and the sequel, I can't remember the name of it, but, uh, it's, uh, I haven't read the sequel yet. Um, but All Rights Reserved is really awesome. And, uh, yeah, I love books that paint the future of a world where just like one little thing changes everything so wildly and drastically. Um, such as this, where, you know, talking costs money. Um, and that's All Rights Reserved. 
Nice, nice. I remember seeing that come out and being very curious about it. So it's oh, nice yeah. to hear that it's good. Yeah. Uh, okay, so also very, like, spooky, spooky. Uh, my next pick is The Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein Ooh, by yes. Kirsten White. Have you read this one? No, I have it sitting on my dresser. Yes, the, the forever story. This one is so great. So if you are a Frankenstein fan, I think you will really love this book. And even if you're not, I think if you like gothic horror stories, you will like it. So it comes with trigger warnings for domestic abuse and harm to children. And it is about a character who in the original Frankenstein, we don't hear much from. She doesn't get her own story and she's like dead before we even really know her. Uh, And that is the cousin of Victor Frankenstein, who he ends up marrying. And spoiler, who dies? Uh, and so in this reimagining Elizabeth Lavenza, you find out like, where did she come from? How did she end up growing up with Victor? And, you know, what was her life like? And Victor in this situation is not a good dude. He's mm. in fact a very, very bad dude. And Elizabeth has been sort of chosen. Um, she was an orphan and the caretaker of a very abusive woman. And she gets a chance to be adopted by the Frankensteins who want a companion for their weird son. And so she will do whatever it takes to, like, go home with them, including befriending this very strange boy who then grows up to become an even stranger and more dangerous man. And so she has, like, turned herself into whatever the people around her want. And her future is in jeopardy because Victor has sort of disappeared. And so she goes to find him and is trying to secure her own future really the only way she knows how, which is by ingratiating herself with the men in her life because of the time period that she's in. But things take a decidedly different turn in this one. And I loved the ending of this so much. I did not. I was like, how is she going to what is she going to do here? Like, I know she's going (laughs) to make it her own, but what's she going to do? And it was so satisfying. It was so satisfying. Ugh, I loved it. So, yeah. Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein by Kirsten White. Really highly recommend. Oh, boy. Just more books to add. (laughs) Just pile up. Um, So my next one is uh, one I haven't brought up in a while, and that's uh, Mirror in the Sky by Didi Karana. Um, I remember I talked about this one a lot when it came out, and I think it's so worth mentioning in this category because... it's set in this, like, slightly sci-fi world uh, where duplicate Earth has been discovered across the galaxy. And it sends, like, everyone on our planet into this, like, identity crisis, this, like, existential crisis. Like, instead of, like, really sitting down and thinking about, like, the scientific and all other st- sort of explanations for it, everyone's wondering, like, oh, no, you know, what... What am I doing here? Who am I? All the all these all these deep questions. Um, and as people are doing this and thinking about what their place is, um, this is kind of great for the main character Tara, who has kind of struggled with this all her life. Um, you know, it's a very very teenage thing, wondering you know who you are and what you're doing here and all of that. I mean, it's also a, a very adult thing because I'm thinking about <laughs> that right now. Um, but now that everybody feels this way, um, she's starting to feel a little bit better about herself. And she starts to hang out with these popular kids. Uh, she starts to, you know, experience new things that she didn't before now that she's part of this new group. Um, but the consequences that start to affect her family and those she loves uh, are not all fun and sci-fi games. You know, she, uh, her, her mom ends up joining a cult. So there we go. There's, mm. a, there's that magic thing that will make Kelly read this book. Um <laughs> You know, and there's all these sort of things that spiral out of control as a result of this very far away place that 
really doesn't have much to do with us um, making everybody rethink their lives. Um, it's really awesome. It's less about the sci-fi and more about how the characters are wrestling with what's going on, um, which is kind of my favorite sort of genre stuff, you know, when like there's a giant spaceship or there's a giant dragon, but none of that really matters. You care more about the people. Um, that's what gets me really hooked on this sort of stuff. And that's why I like this book because it's, you know, not a spaceship or a dragon, but another planet across the cosmos, um, setting everyone into a existential crisis. And that is, uh, Mirror in the Sky by Aditi Karana. Well, I definitely need to read that. Oh, it's so good. That's fantastic. Uh, okay, my last pick is a short story collection that just came out that is so good. I finished yes, it, it on is. the train. Oh, it's so good. I finished it on the train <laughs> on the way to New York. And it's called His Hideous Heart. It is edited by Dahlia Adler. And it has stories from Adler and Kendara Blake and Rin Chupeco and Lamar Giles and Tessa Gratton and Stephanie Jackson and Stephanie Kuhn and, or excuse me, Tiffany Jackson and Stephanie Kuhn and Amanda Lovelace and so many more. And it's just amazing because it's all Edgar Allan Poe retellings like it's genius Eric it's so good oh my goodness I have I was trying to pick a favorite and I was like this is impossible (laughs) (laughs) it's really really hard to pick a favorite I I don't even know what to do like there's one that takes the cask of Amontillado rewrite takes place at Carnival, like in New York, which I, during the West Indian parade, which I loved. And like that one was by Tiffany Jackson. And then there's a really creepy, like German castle one um, by Kendar Blake. And I just, I mean, I've read some Poe, but I wouldn't call myself like a huge Poe fan, right? Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, Poe, like, he's good. I, I liked the cask of Amontillado, like, I'm on board. But I, these these reimaginings are amazing. And what I also love about this that they did was they put the original ones in the second half of the book, so you can read the rewrite and then read the original and compare, which is, I think, just genius. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I was really excited when this one came out. Um, there's a story from Caleb Roig in here, who I absolutely love. Fran Wild. Yes. Uh, it was really exciting for me. Um, and yeah, I love the fact that those stories are in the back because, like, it makes this book feel even more primed to be used in, like, schools, you know? Yes. Um, yes. Which is, like, my favorite thing about anthologies, both as, like, an author and an agent in the business. Like, I love the idea of books being, you know, books like this being scooped up by schools and then young readers discover these authors and maybe look them up and like, ah, there's such great, such a great learning tool slash marketing device. And I, mm-hmm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really happy about this book. I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's really, it's something I loved every single story in here, which isn't always true for anthologies for me. So yeah, highly recommend. All right. So we dive into our next stuff. Who's our next sponsor? Oh, yes. So our next sponsor is Bezcamp by Samuel Satine and Jen Hickman. And it is from Roar, which is the YA imprint of Lion Forge. And this is a dystopian sci-fi graphic novel that questions what happens when we disrespect our resources, both natural and human-made. And it takes place on a planet called Klasu, far from Earth, where humanity is trying again at civilization in the village of Bezcamp. And there are lots of laws and rules governing it, including forbidding the inhabitants against making markings of any kind. So the written word is totally outlawed. 
abroad, and language as a result is starting to deteriorate. Uh, the village is also plagued by dangerous beasts that are poisoning their land. And our main character, Nem, is the son of the strongest warrior, and he's supposed to, you know, get rid of the beasts and corruption, but he is really more interested in collecting rare artifacts from the village's ancestors than fighting, as who wouldn't be? So Nem has to go on a journey outside the city's walls to protect their way of life. And as he goes on this journey, he starts to question what he knows of Bezkamp's history and unlocks some of the secrets of his people's suppressed pasts. So if you love graphic novels, stories about the power of the written word and the importance of truth, which certainly seems relevant to us all today, you will want to check this out. Again, that is Bezkamp by Samuel Satine and Jen Hickman, and it will be available in stores this October. All right. So for our next topic, uh, this is a fun one. I brought Preeti's book earlier. Um, mm-hmm. And if you've been paying attention to any publishing news in the past week or two, um, Mackenzie Lee released a Loki book with Marvel that hit the bestseller list. Um, Nick Stone announced she's writing Shuri for Marvel. Um, and Preeti's writing more kidlit in the world of Marvel. And we're just seeing more and more authors diving into writing novels in the world of comics. Um, and I thought in the wake of those recent announcements and news, we could... Maybe talk about our, like, dream wish lists of authors to write comic book characters. Um, I should warn all our listeners, while I do enjoy comics and have a Comixology account and watch every comic book movie, I have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, so if you want to yell at me for any mistakes I make, my email address is eric at bookriot.com. Um, <laughs> yeah, so when it comes to why authors we wish would write superhero novels, um, yeah, who are, who are some of your dream folks? Oh, this is such a good slash, like, I don't need, it's so hard to like narrow it down <laughs> topic because I do, I love comics and I love superhero movies. And I was like, oh, what would I, who would I pair? It's so, oh, it's so interesting. Um, And so, so, okay. So the very first one I thought of though, like immediately when we talked about doing this, I was like, oh, I know, I know one right off the bat. And it's actually not a Marvel or a DC comic. There's this comic called Wayward by Jim Zub, Stephen Cummings, and John Rauch about a young a teenage girl named Rory Lane, who is half Japanese, half Irish, and she's been, like, having trouble. Um, and so her dad sends her to live with her mom in Japan. And so she goes from Ireland to Japan. So you a little bit like fish out of water story. Um, and when she gets there, like, all of these supernatural things start happening both to her and around her. And, like, mm. maybe she's got some powers. And it is really intense. They were billing it as, like, you know, Buffy in Japan kind of thing. And I don't think that's so wrong it's really like it's even maybe a little bit more horror than Buffy is um and I read them quite a bit uh I think I might be I'm not sure if it's still going but I might have fallen off at a certain point but I love Rory and the other characters and I was immediately like oh you know who would make a great novelization of that is Sarah Kuhn who wrote the heroin complex series um and I which I love also which is like a really amazing like if you like superhero stories these are like a contemporary like a little bit romancy uh superheroine stories that take place in um I want to say San Francisco. 
And she writes action so well. And she's also so funny. And she writes Asian American heroes. And she herself is Asian American. And I think that she would do amazing things with the character of Rory, who's biracial and like struggling with all of these different things. Like, oh, I just feel like Sarah Kuhn is the perfect YA writer to like give us a novel version of that. So that's that was the very first thing I thought of. Nice. I want to look at that comic. I'm not familiar. Yeah. Um, See, so for me, my first pick was, uh, when I thought about this immediately was, uh, I'd love to see L.L. McKinney write the character of Storm, mm. uh, for Marvel. Um, so like in my agent and author life, I'm in this anthology called Color Outside the Lines, put together with Sangu Mandana. Um, and in it, L.L. McKinney has a story about a superhero who has to save her girlfriend's, like, racist dad. Um, and it's like this really interesting, like, Black Lives Matter, um, short story set in the world of superheroes. Hmm. Um, so I've seen her write superheroes. She can do it. Someone just give her anything. <laughs> um, so honestly, give her Storm. I would love to see the kind of life she would breathe into a character in a YA novel. Um, it's also worth noting that her sequel to A Blade So Black just published this month, A Dream So Dark. Uh, so I hope you're all picking it up. I, yeah, just give her Storm or let her write a Blizzard graphic novel because I know she plays a lot of Blizzard games. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, okay, so my next one is She-Hulk, the character. Um, I've read the Charles Soleil, a little bit of the Charles Soleil run, uh, which started with Volume 1, Law and Disorder, and enjoyed it. And I just think, I just think Jennifer Walters is a fascinating character. And I grew up watching, you know, the Hulk TV show. So I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Hulk family. Um, and I was thinking about like, oh, what like sort of undersung characters do I wish would get more, you know, presence? And She-Hulk is definitely one of them. And I think a teen She-Hulk would be fascinating. And the writer, I cheated a little teeny bit on this because the writer I picked, S.L. Huang, is actually, I think, more known for her Cass Russell series, which is like adult sci-fi. But she's written a bunch of different kinds of like an age ranges of novels. She can totally do it. And she herself is a former stunt double, among other things. So she knows action really, really well. And she writes these very interesting heroines who often have like some kind of, you know, very like analytical, uh, sort of STEMI background to them. And Jennifer Walters is an attorney, which is not necessarily STEM, but just like that kind of like high powered, very intelligent female character. That's what S.L. Huang writes. And so I feel like she would do an amazing job with She Hulk. Like that is the thing that I want. That sounds awesome. Uh, my next pick would be, uh, Lydia Kang to write Jubilee. Um, so if you look at Lydia Kang's, like, latest books, um, we have, like, The November Girl and Toxic. They deliver some of, like, the most unique narratives and characters, like, in YA of the past two years. Like, in November Girl, no, in Toxic, we have this, like, living spaceship that's organic and, like, dying in space. Uh, and then in November Girl, we have a girl that's, like, the embodiment of storms and weather. Um, so with, like, her skills at writing really complicated, like, sci-fi and fantasy novels, um, especially in her novels like Control, um, I just, I just feel like giving her, like, a Marvel superhero is such a slam dunk, especially one like Jubilee. Um, so someone, please make this happen if you are listening <laughs> to this podcast and involved in comics at all. Um, and that's uh, Lydia Kang taking over Jubilee. Very nice. Very nice. So for my next one, I decided that I wanted F.C. Yee to write 
a Thor book. Ooh. I love FCE's books so much. I read The Epic Crush of Jeannie Lowe when it first came out, and it was so much fun. Like, totally a great superheroine story. When is that getting optioned? I would like to know. Um, and, and I just read also... Uh, the Rise of Kiyoshi, which takes place in the Avatar The Last Airbender universe. I'm a huge Avatar The Last Airbender fan, including of the comics, although I did not keep up with those. But I was so excited that they were doing novels in a franchise. And Yi has now written in a franchise. So like, clearly, that's a thing that he knows how to do. And I feel like I don't care which Thor he does. Like, I honestly don't care which Thor it is. But I was thinking about, you know, in the Rise of Kiyoshi and in Epic Crush of Ginny Lowe, but specifically Rise of Kiyoshi, I was thinking about how good Yi is at inhabiting these, like, very ornate, sort of fascinating, multi-layered worlds of, you know, superheroes and how Thor and Asgard, like, I love the mythology surrounding Thor and I would love to see Yi take that on. So that is why I picked that combination. That is a great one. Um, so my next pick is uh, Nikki Bartholomus uh, to write Shazam. Um, <laughs> so did you see the Shazam movie? Not like, yet, not yet. Oh, man. So I always go into DC movies with the lowest possible expectations. Um, but oh, my God, this movie. I cried a whole bunch. I laughed a whole bunch. Like, it set this awesome standard for me when it comes to DC movies. Um and I'm just so terrified that I'm going to be disappointed that not every DC movie feels like this and like Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, one of the core parts of Shazam's character and like, yes, I know technically he's named Captain Marvel or whatever. Calm down, comics people. I, I gave you my email address earlier. Say hi. Um, is that he's a foster kid? Um, and a writer like Nikki, uh, writes gorgeous, prose and, and books like um, The Quiet You Carry, um, which comes from a close personal connection to foster youth and adoption. Um, I feel like she would just be such an amazing, powerful person to write a novel about this character and like really dig into that in a big way. Um, yeah, they do it in the movie, uh, hence all of my sobbing, but <laughs> I feel like a whole book that maybe just tackles that in a major way, like his early youth, what it was like going through all those foster homes would just be really, really awesome. Um so yeah, someone give Nikki a Shazam novel. I would read that. I would definitely. Yeah. Read okay, let's see. So my last pick is Wasp and Kristen Cashore, who wrote the Gracing series and Jane Unlimited. And bear with me. Here. <laughs> I know almost nothing about Wasp, the comics character, aside from what we have seen in the MCU and the Avengers movies, which like, I want to know more. Like, I want more of that character. And I was thinking about, you know, women in STEM and, like, who who do I want a wasp from? Like, who do I want to introduce me to the teen years of wasp? And then I remembered Kristen Cashore's novel, Jane Unlimited. I feel like more people are familiar with her Graceling series, of which I am a huge fan. Like, my signed copy of Bitter Blue does not leave my house. But... Jane Unlimited was such an odd, interesting, weird book. And it's, it's sort of hard to talk about because you kind of don't want to give away the thing that's going on in that book. But it's like a little bit sci-fi, I guess, a mm -hmm. little bit like multidimensional sort of, and a little bit horror and a little bit action and a little bit not. Like it's, it's a lot of different things going on. And I just feel like she could handle the incredible complexities of 
the wasp character and like what the wasp has to deal with in terms of like, you know, her backstory and the different MCU things that feed into that. Like, I just feel like Christian Kishore would do a great job. And I, I mean, honestly, I've seen her write like two very different things, right? Like medieval fantasy versus Jane Unlimited, which I don't even really know what to call it. <laughs> it's just a sort of a singular book. So I feel like she has range is what I'm saying here. She's got range. So that is why I paired up those two. Nice. Um, so my next pick is, uh, Emily Skrutsky to write, uh, Cable. Um, mm. so I mean, from what I recall from the movies, cause that is my, my place, uh, is that Cable wasn't actually Cable until like he lost his family and all that, right? That's like when he sort of becomes the hero that he is. I don't know. So cool, t- cool teen Cable probably isn't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is probably the part where listeners send me an email, but, uh, you know, if, Teen Cable is a thing. I would love to see him in the hands of Emily, who wrote uh, Hull Metal Girls, which was just this, like, amazing view of the future with robot suits and all this just really complicated stuff. Um, her world building in all of her novels is just incredible. Um, and I feel like she could do so much with this, like, very layered, complicated, you know, brooding and tortured character. Um what was he like as a teenager? Did he have those powers as a teenager? I don't know. I don't read enough comics, but uh, <laughs> I think it could be super fun. Nice, nice. And then, uh, yeah, why don't I just rapid yeah, fire yeah, a couple? Yeah, keep going. You have more. Yeah, like uh, like a quick one here. Um, I thought about Sean David Hutchinson writing Iceman. Mm. Um, anyone who reads one of his novels knows he writes just these wonderfully inclusive and wonderfully weird books with splashes of genre everywhere. Um, I think he would be great. Um and then I, I started thinking about um, those, like, odd Marvel comics that are in alternate timelines, mm-hmm. like um, like Marvel 1602 that Neil Gaiman wrote, and then Marvel 1872 that's, like, in, like, the Old West. Um, and I just love to see, like, a YA writer who's great at historic fiction write one of these. Um, mm. Like, I'm sure Neil Gaiman could write it. I mean, something tells me he would be <laughs> fine. Um, but in case he's too busy, you know, maybe, like, Ruta Sapias writes a, a Marvel comic set somewhere fantastic and historical or, or Stacy Lee or like Aaron Bowman, uh, writing the 1872 version in like her vengeance bound style, uh, you know, sort of stories that she writes. Um, so, you know, not a particular pick, but like, I'd love to see historic why authors tackle, uh, those really fun reimaginings that we see of comic books, you know, where like it's set in another timeline, set in another, uh, you know, place in history. It could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's, is that it? Are we done? I, I think, think we are. are done. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, please leave feedback about the show on Apple Podcasts to let us know how we're doing and to help others find us. Uh, thanks to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. Uh, you can follow me, Eric Smith, on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And Jen, where can everyone find you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter as Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, IRL. And I'm on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. All right. And then we'll talk to you again in uh, two weeks. 